That's the sound of the best part of the week for me and hopefully for you, wherever you are, whenever you are, however you happen to be listening. Hopefully you're running or in the car or doing something you might want to have us hang out with you for. We're grateful that you've tuned in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Linda. Oh, Linda and Backblaze. They made that possible, bringing the show to you completely free. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktop, laptops, and consoles. Also, games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff2ends1T Kanata, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who celebrated a birthday last week. Mr. Christian Spicer, happy birthday, Christian. Thank you. I feel older and wiser and just ready ready for anything, ready for adventure, ready for to star in a Cialis commercial. I just feel invigorated and ready for life. Yeah, you've you've hit that demographic. That's fun. That's a fun place to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not talking about aging this week, I hope. Uh, no, we're talking about video games, board games, all kinds of gaming entertainment, and we have a fantastic guest to join us. As you know, we're always DLC, Downloadable Kanata, Downloadable Christian, but this week, DLC stands for Diatribes, Links, and Columns, because from Game Rant and Screen Rant, we've got the writer and editor, Mr. Anthony Taormina. Welcome back, Anthony. Hello, thanks for having me. I... For the listeners, I'm the guy that likes plain hot dogs. Yes, that's right. And you know what? When I listened to that episode, it was clear to me that Anthony did not, or excuse me, that uh, Christian did not catch the reference that you were making to the previous episode. Correct. Yes, I. Uh, no, I, I it, did. It fell flat on. No, its you face. didn't. You did not. You didn't get the fact that he was referencing me with my brilliant hot dog metaphor that I was making. <laughs> I just let those lie. I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, well, I'm really glad you're back. I'm glad I get to hang out with you a little bit, Anthony. And we, we, can, we can make everything in reference to hot dogs because we have a lot of really great releases to talk about this week. I think the playlist is going to be jam-packed. But we got to start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the week is usually the part of the show where we convince each other of the most important stories that are happening in the world of gaming this week. And uh, usually this would be the part where I run down and each person gets to tell me what they think their most important story was this week. But this week, it's basically just one big story broken into several parts. And that is... It doesn't seem anybody can release a game that isn't broken. <laughs> we basically have the same story repeated over and over and over. I'll let you take lead on this, Anthony, because you are our guest. But I suspect that we're all going to be bringing up variations on a theme this week because pretty much all of the biggest releases that came out this last week crumbled and failed in various different ways. And it's really, really upsetting to me. But what, what is your take on this, Anthony? Um, well, my take, I would say, I would say if we're talking about individual game 
which which launch or which uh it seems like some of the games that were okay for a little bit seem to creep up with some problems but i would say it's between halo uh master chief collection having its issues with matchmaking and assassin's creed and i'm gonna go assassin's creed unity i think was uh the biggest launch for me personally because that was the game i was most looking forward to and all of its problems uh specifically with the gameplay and performance and frame rate um it was but yeah, it's pretty sad. Made me sad. Yeah, this is going to be uh, which game of the week were you most d- disappointed <laughs> launched with problems? <laughs> yeah. We'll each get to our own, but let's talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed Unity. I'm excited to, to talk in depth about what you thought of the game in our playlist segment, but mm-hmm. let's talk specifically about this issue because did you did you run into the problems that, that they're reporting, like uh, dropping endlessly through the ground? Um, I have not dropped endlessly through the ground. Uh, but the frame rate, um, the matchmaking with co-op, m- most of the kind of bigger issues I did encounter. But as far as like um, I've seen videos on YouTube, there are some really I mean, I don't mean to you know be mean spirited, but there are some really funny ones that I think are worth seeing. Just uh, there's one where the cutscene is happening and then two NPCs literally drop into the scene and start talking over the dialogue <laughs> And it, it's, you search for it. It's funny. That's, uh, I think that's authentic to the time period, though. That's what would happen in France. <laughs> sort of, yes. In uh, um, Paris, well, they would just is, fly in. It is authentic in. to the time period, except they all have English accents. So, <laughs> um, I just like that as a recommendation. Yo, bro, you got to play Assassin's Creed Unity because some of these glitches are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so you couple that with the fact that Ubisoft, in their infinite wisdom, also said, hey, the review embargo is for noon on the day it's released. So not only did this game launch with massive amounts of bugs, it also was not – we weren't able to hear about those bugs from reviewers until most people that pre-ordered had their order able to be picked up that morning. Ring, Um, ring, ring, ring. Oh, oh. Uh, it looks like we're getting a call from uh, Mark from Marketing. Hi, hi, Mark. Uh, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Hey, Jeff. Nice to, nice to talk to you again. Hey, Anthony. Plain hot dogs are the worst. Anyway, what I wanted to call about is our studies have shown that mm-hmm. noon is actually the ideal time to release a review because people are awake, they've had their cup of coffee, and they're ready to digest a full 3,000-word review and less likely just to skip down to the review, you know, the score, the number, the part we don't really care about over here at Ubisoft because what are numbers anyway? Like, age is a number, but it's how you feel on the inside, and we think Assassin's Creed Unity feels really great. Right on the inside, like when you see the inside of that guy's face when it glitches out. Anyway, great show. Love you all. Christian's my favorite. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, I wish he'd stayed on the line. I had so many questions for Mark. Um, it's really great that he's he's so much a part of our show. Um, but it, it seems to me that Ubisoft definitely, well, if they didn't know about this, they definitely were a little suspicious that people might be pointing out some problems they with the game. Did. There's yeah. no way this game didn't have a, yeah. a fake review or whatever they're called, mock review done. Um, they also made the game. <laughs> well, let's explain that what that is. People might not know about that practice, but but there are uh, lots of companies, let's be honest, that whose job it is. And, and many of our friends uh, have founded and work for those companies, uh, people we know, that um, that leave – mainline video game journalism and start companies that work as consultants to game companies and they'll give 
these people the uh, a version of the game that's hasn't come out yet and they will review it as if the game had come out so but it's but it's secret and it's it's just for analysis purposes to give the developers an idea of or really the publisher an idea of what a review of this game might actually look like so that's what you're talking about right Correct. And they're usually um, fairly accurate. You know, people that have done these and work both sides of it, outgoing media and like consulting, you know, they're not gun shy when they're hired to consult and do a a draft or mock review for um, a company. And, you know, they don't pull punches and then convert or inversely or related, I guess I should say, when people are doing reviews for media sites, you know, they, they come in very, very close. So oftentimes games with a large budget and marketing budget know ahead of time what the review score will be. It's not as if they release a game into the wild and then just like, oh, crap, (laughs) dang it. Uh, And from my perspective, there's nothing particularly shady about this. This is a a company that's interested in what people's reactions are going to be, and they try to go to people who have are outside the company and have no prior knowledge of, of, you know, builds from earlier in the development process. I think this is a pretty legitimate way to sort of gauge the reaction to your game. It's just how what they use that information for that might be a little bit questionable. Yes, right? and it's whether or not people, you know, the, the, where you get into the issue is like, are they doing this to then look at what another term, like known shippables? So it's like, okay, we're aware of these glitches and we have this review and we have, you know, two months, a month, two weeks, whatever time we have left to get the game out, what are worth fixing and what are worth not fixing and then what are worth releasing as three huge patches after the game ships. <laughs> like what uh, Assassin's Creed Unity is doing. I guess the, this third patch upcoming, they've two have been out, or yeah, two are out. The third two one is supposed to be... for no Xbox One yet. So PC... Oh, really? PC, PS, yeah, Xbox One, it's still going through, I guess, Microsoft's certification process for patches. is So okay. PC and PS4, I think, have the first two, and Xbox One only has one. I've only updated once. Well, that's the craziest how, uh, thing about this, from my perspective, is you can find on the official Assassin's Creed Unity forums on the Ubisoft.com website a, and a, a post from the player experience manager for Assassin's Creed, whose screen name is Zane with an X, X-H-A-N-E, and it details all of the issues that they know about and whether they're working on them and whether they've been fixed. The list of known problems, massive bugs, it's staggering. Now, kudos to them, I guess you have to say, for being as forthright about it and showing exactly step-by-step what they're working on, what what has workarounds. A lot of them have workarounds. Like it'll say workaround below from the players. Like players have (laughs) fixed the issue. Uh, So, you know, I like the level of communication that we're getting, but the number of massive problems that – that are documented here officially on their own forums from their own representative is pretty staggering. And you know, to, to release a game like that, I think this points to, you know, having a release date that is unmovable and these big franchises that have to hit their dates, it's just going to have, they're just going to have some, some bugs, I guess. I think another thing that it's interesting to consider is that Ubisoft at the same time was shipping a last-gen Assassin's Creed game in Assassin's Creed Rogue, um, and they were trying to essentially uh, push Unity forward and push Rogue out. And 
I mean, conspiracy theories out there say that <clears throat> Rogue is the better or potentially the better game and that Ubisoft's main goal was to get people to play Unity and not to play Rogue, but they also knew Unity was not up to par, uh, which I think is interesting to consider because this is the first time that they released two Assassin's Creed within the same month, let alone the same day. Right. And they didn't want any confusion. They didn't want people going to stores and saying they wanted them to get Unity, essentially. So my question to you, Anthony, is from your experience, and this is just one person's experience playing the game, mm-hmm. is this deal breaker? Is this, uh, is this unplayable or is this minor annoyance? It is, it is by no means uh, unplayable. I, I, think, uh, I think mileage may vary. I think some people will have some serious uh, – problems with the game and those will potentially lead to game breaking bugs nobody i have known uh has hit anything that has stopped them from being able to progress in the game but i think uh from my personal experience you start to play it and you go okay maybe i should put this down and see uh how it improves because it it does run pretty poorly which is is disappointing in and of itself. You know, if somebody bought it day one and it started to play, you know, you don't want to wait. Right. So, th- I mean, that said, right, you, I think, and not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think you're a self-admitted fan of the franchise, Anthony. So to mm-hmm. what extent next year when Assassin's Creed 2015 comes out, to what extent are you willing to go day one on it versus you know, really going to wait and see. Has this impacted your future purchasing or playing decisions at all for the series? Um, I, th- I think it, I think it has, to be honest. It, it's certainly a situation where I would absolutely wait for reviews and wait to hear, uh, es- especially what other people were saying, you know, people, because a lot of, the, a lot of the things in the reviews is that n- it's kind of a gray area of, you don't know what is, unique to you in terms of performance problems. So a lot of the reviews didn't necessarily say there were too many performance problems, but a lot of the players came out and said, look, this game is, is having significant problems. So I would, I would definitely wait to hear what people are saying on the next one. I would not buy it preload it, anything like that. Absolutely not. Well, I mean, that's the big question, right? Is what's the breaking point at which not just a franchise, but the entire industry, uh, because I think a lot of the beginning of this episode of this show is going to be reasons to wait. And uh, Christian, what is your broken <laughs> game of the week reason to wait? Yeah, it's uh, so after singing its praises on, I guess, two episodes, I was having a lot of fun with um, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. And, you know, I'm slow to make my way through games and bouncing between multiplayer and some single player. And I was on, I believe, the last mission of the single player game. And I sat down to play and turned it on. And, you know, it loads your game and starts you up where you left off. And I was on the fourth mission, um, a very, very early part of the game. And it had happened earlier to me where I'd lost progress, but only one mission. And honestly, I thought it was something that happened with you know, the Xbox One's resume, suspend, resume function where you can just jump right back into a game. I thought, oh, maybe I didn't close it out or it was just a checkpoint, not the end of a mission. I assumed user error. After that, when I played, I was very cautious every time. And uh, yeah, so I tried to go into mission select and I couldn't go past past that fourth, fourth 
mission. I did some Googling, and I guess other people have experienced the same single-player progress progression problem. And then it, too, is listed on um, Sledgehammer Games' list of problems that they're trying to fix. And as far as I can tell, this is in the same place as Anthony was describing Assassin's Creed, where it looks like the PC patch has been released. The PlayStation 4 patch is either just came out or is releasing very soon and no news on the Xbox one um, patch yet. And they list it as a rare single player progression problem. And not that tweeting at sledgehammer games demands a reply, but you know, I kind of was like trying to see if there was anything, a workaround or I don't know, is there a save game online? It's not as if uh, call of duty is, uh, you know, branching. It's not as if, oh, well, where are you in the game? What loot do you have? What It's like, I'm on level 10. I want to, I want to be able to go back to level 10. And I haven't been able to find a solution. And to be perfectly honest, I have no desire to play the game anymore. Like, losing an hour or two hours of progress in a game that is so cinematic and, you know, point, 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 move on, move on, move on, um, I have no desire to do those again, and it it really stinks. It really, really bums me out, and that this is a thing that's out there that is happening to people. Um, so actually, after this episode, I'm going to go. I bought the game at Best Buy. I'm going to go and try to return it, and I will have updates next week. I think they'll be like, oh, get another copy of the game. No, 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 you don't understand. The code <laughs> and the game is broken. Yeah. Because I, I mean, don't think we should that, be stuck with these things. I agree with you. The fact that you bought it at Best Buy, I think, is going to be problematic. I don't think I, – I'm fairly certain their policy is if it's open, we will never take it back. No, even if it's not open, it's video game merchandise. I'm very interested to see what your experience is because those big box stores, a lot of them could not care less about the product inside uh, as long as – you know they, they have their policies that are set from corporate and they're doing that. So – it's going to be an yeah. interesting experience that I'm looking forward I, to hearing. I found that taking your dad, taking your dad with you and having him talk to the guy sometimes. <laughs> what if sometimes he is a works? dad? <laughs> yeah, I'll take Estelle with me yeah. and uh, I'm going to take my daughter. No, I, I agree. I mean, Amazon, in my experience, has the, some of the best customer service um, across the board. Some of these other you know, physical big box stores it can be lacking. But You're I like, think, honey, honey, can you cry for daddy? Can you just <laughs> scream and run around the store for daddy, please? And just knock everything over. But I think, I mean, I need to try, and I'm not going to throw a fit, but I'm going to be persistent and intelligent, and I'm not going to insult the worker there, but I'm Let's going see how to escalate things as high as I can. <laughs> and I think more of us should do this. If 100 people take back, if, if you're in the same situation as me, or if you think unity is broken, if you take it back, and then you, when you don't, you sit there and you tweet a complaint, and you get the person, the supervisor's name, and you tweet a complaint with that person's name, and you call customer service and complain about that particular person, make changes that you can make. And and don't stand up for, or don't sit by and accept any broken product. And I made a stink about this before with uh, Drive Club, which is, by the way, going to win my Game of the Year award this year, just because what a piece of crap. What a piece <laughs> of crap. I don't think crap. you understand what Game of the Year means. That's exactly why I'm going to name it Game <laughs> of the Year. And just wave it around as the best piece of crap. What a crap. <laughs> I don't think or, that anyway. means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> it, we should not stand by and accept this. And I hope that more people will demand returns and exchanges um, from big box real t- uh, places or otherwise go to the publisher. Activision, if anyone from PR is listening, um, shame on you. What a, what a horrible, crappy thing. 
and people should get their money back. And well, I'm going to keep fighting for that. Well, Christian, I, I, I appreciate your uh, episode of Fight Back with Christian Spicer. Um, but we are – this is way too early for us to take this kind of stand. We have so many more games that are broken to talk about this week. <laughs> so let's so not uh, let's not get it too far ahead of ourselves here. Um, my game of the week that is broken uh, is, of course, the new World of Warcraft expansion, Warlords of Draenor. Um, this, you know – craziness i'm a huge blizzard fanboy love me some wow haven't played in a while getting back into it and evidently warlords of draenor did very very good for wow brought a lot of people back into the fold compounding that evidently from blizzard they have confirmed that they were under ddos attack which is distributed denial of service attacks which are um, frighteningly easy to to actually put together and can cause a lot of problems for the servers but even after that, I have uh, – my high-level characters are on one of the most popular servers on the WoW network, right? It's, it is uh, – we moved our characters there and started the Totally Rad Guild. The Totally Rad Guild is one of the – is the biggest guild on the server and is one of the biggest guilds in World of Warcraft. It's, it's a real high-ranking guild. Not super due to me personally, but because there's some really awesome people in it. And it's on a high pop server. We went there specifically because we wanted to do a lot of end game stuff. We didn't want to wait in queues, uh, you know, waiting for uh, Dungeon Finder to match us up. The more people on your server, the faster you get matched up. Boom, boom, boom. Well, unfortunately, Sargeras, which is what, where we are, uh, is uh, now unplayable. My character is trapped. I log on and I am almost undoubtedly 5,000th in the queue, uh, on launch day, or actually the day after launch day of, of Warlords of Draenor, I waited three hours to get on. I, once I got on, I had a very smooth experience, uh, especially in that first instanced area of the new expansion. But once I got into the wider, um, more populated areas, I didn't have a lot of pop in and some, some real lag issues. Uh, but but very playable. Uh, unfortunately, I'm never going to be able to play that character until they allow me to get into the game without having to wait three hours. Because I, I did that once, but I, I can't do that. I don't have that kind of time to just sit there and let me be in the queue. Luckily, the expansion comes with um, a bump up to 90, free bump up to 90. So... My friends and I made 90 characters on a low-pop server. Uh, I unfortunately had to join the Horde, which is against everything I believe in. But we, we decided to look at the Horde side because we're all Alliance on the other, on the other server. And, um, you know, I've had a, a smooth experience after that. But this points to another very rocky launch, another very rocky launch for Blizzard in particular, whose Diablo 3 went very poorly. Uh, and uh, it's another example of... Of things not working when they start, of of companies underestimating the server loads. I don't know how we fix this. I don't know how this happens because obviously on launch day there's a big swell and of people, but there has to be a solution, right? Well, can't you just come up with lore for why your guy is stuck there <laughs> in the land of the dragons? Yeah, he's he your went through the dark portal. Must wait for three hours. Yeah. Hopefully he brought Hearthstone with him or something to keep him company. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, if Blizzard was smart, they would make Hearthstone playable in the queue. So you could literally just That'd be keep, awesome. That would be pretty rad. Or uh, Heroes of the Storm would even be better. 
I know that's not really possible, but I want. Or they could just make. What if they made WoW playable in the queue? Yes, there you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> Mini WoW. I, I think what's what's funny about it is that it seems to me, based on all the games that launch, is that Blizzard got away with it or got it the easiest because they were, you know, they had a physical DDoS attack, and so we don't know how much was the attack and how much was they were just not anticipating player load but whereas everybody was sort of like calling for uh, assassin's creed unity more uh more information and same with halo and and a lot of the other games it seems like blizzard almost got a pass in a way which i think is interesting because they it might not have been their fault well but if you read their forums they certainly did not get a pass and in fact yeah, yeah. there was a big uh, sort of pseudo protest from the moderator of the the gigantic subreddit forum for WoW, which has over almost 200,000 visitors a day. Uh, he is the moderator, and he said since he can't log in, nobody gets subreddit. No, he, so he took it offline. It has since been put back online. But if you go to their forums, there's like 500 pages of people ranting and raving because they're paying 15 bucks a month and can't get into the game. Uh, the, go- the good side is that Blizzard has committed to hourly updates uh, of the, the the blue posts on on the the official forums, which is great uh, if if you you know need information. But unfortunately, a lot of that information is everything going great. Sorry about the cues. <laughs> so you know it's um it's not ideal to say the least. And. To be able to have, you know, I-, I like the fact that I can be playing on another server now. I like the fact that I can boost to 90 and pick up right where I left off and I don't have to pay the 25 bucks to move my character to another server because I sure as hell ain't going to be paying that to, you know, compensate for their problems. But at the same time, I should be able to play my character. I, I-, I want to be playing the character that I've played for the last 10 years. I don't want to uh, have to play this new character. So I- on this smaller server. It sucks. Another game on our list, our long list of uh, problematic launches, as you referenced, Anthony, is Halo Master Chief Collection, which launched uh, on Xbox One and uh, for all accounts that I've heard is pretty much unplayable in multiplayer. People are sitting in multiplayer matchmaking and uh, unable to get into games at all. Super long wait times and and just kind of logging or uh, timing out. Evidently, there's going to be a patch tomorrow as we're recording this, or excuse me, Wednesday as we're recording this, uh, which hopefully will fix things. But it's another in our litany of games that high profile from big developers with lots of budget that don't seem to work. Do you have any experience with this one, Anthony? I have not. Um, this this was the case where. I was waiting to see what people I was thinking about downloading it that that night, the night it came out. And then about 30 minutes later, everybody was saying online, on Twitter, in reviews, on all kinds of sites across the Web that it's if you want to play multiplayer, it's just not going to happen. So I held off on it. I thought I'll wait. And then it's still going on, which I think is is the biggest issue is that some people a lot of people wanted this Master Chief collection because it was sold on the idea of being able to play every Halo multiplayer or numbered Halo multiplayer as it was when it originally launched. 
yeah, there's Halo 2 Anniversary, but I think a lot of people bought it specifically for that multiplayer and to have that portion just basically not exist for people. That's why I kind of went back and forth between that and Assassin's Creed Unity. I think Halo's launch might be the bigger disappointment disappointment because the one portion is unplayable. Uh, but, what, but it will get better, I guess. What's, what's the fix? And I know none of us are programmers per se, and I often will complain about broken games, and people will reply, game development is hard. And to me, that's not an excuse or a reason. I mean, Destiny launched pretty well. Sunset yes. Overdrive launched pretty well. Like, what is the point of not okay and okay? Actually, and didn't, didn't Destiny have problems? I thought Destiny had problems. I, 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 my memory is failing me, but I thought it did have issues at launch. There were some. There was a uh, the the PS4 update when it came out. It it broke the game for me for a while. For like I don't know a whole day. Um, oh yeah, the two there, point were, there were problems. Yeah, the 2.0 update, but I think overall there weren't as many problems. They were kind of like uh, Christian, like you were experiencing with Call of Duty. It was more like isolated incidents, not a widespread problem. Well, let's tackle this issue of what to do right after we come back from this sponsor. Uh, we do have to thank our sponsor, Linda, who I need to tell you about. Linda is an easy, affordable way to help individuals learn. Instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on business, software, web development, graphic design, and more. It's lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A, and it works directly with industry experts and software companies to provide timely training, often the same day new versions or releases of software hit the market, so you're always up to speed. All their courses are produced at the highest, highest quality, not like homemade videos on YouTube. You're actually getting experts talking in high-quality, pointed, easy-to-follow, easy-to-understand lessons. And each course is broken into bite-sized pieces so you can learn at your own pace and learn from start to finish or just find a quick answer. It's searchable. You can search the transcripts of their uh, of their courses so that you can find out the answer that you need specifically. And it has certif- uh, certificates of course completion that you can publish on your LinkedIn profile, which is great. If you're a professional in the field, whether you're a beginner or advanced, lynda.com has courses for all experience levels, and they make it easy to learn anywhere with lynda.com apps for iPhone, iPad, and Android. One low monthly price of 25 bucks gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials, and premium members with an annual plan can download courses to their iPhone, iPads, or Androids and watch them offline, and also download project files and practice along with their instructor. And because this is DLC, we're going to give you a deal. See? Lynda.com is going to give a special offer to our listeners. If you go to lynda.com slash DLC, again, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC, and they'll give you all of their courses free for 10 days. That's free. You can check them out. You can learn something new. I really like this service. Honestly, I've checked it out. I was in talks to even maybe produce some videos for them because I liked it so much. It's lynda.com slash DLC. It helps the show out if you check it out and you get 10 free days of content. So check out some of their videos and learn Photoshop or whatever you might need that could help you in your life. Lynda.com slash DLC. All right, dudes. uh, What do we do? What do we do? 
Christian, do you have any ideas? What, what do we do about this problem? This is, I feel like this week more than any other, you know, you have these isolated incidents where we get upset, but it feels like game after game after game, nothing, nothing came out this week that didn't have an issue. It seems like, what do you think? Uh, Space Bob in the chat had a great, <laughs> he says, does lynda.com have a course on launching a multiplayer game? Yeah, I wish everybody uh, would, would watch that <laughs> next games. Right? I mean, one, I think as consumers, um, we make a stink when things don't work. A polite, but we don't sit by and accept it as this is how games are. Two, dial back your anticipation and don't digital preload. Um, if you're at all able to, I understand being part of that zeitgeist and day one and midnight launch is exciting, but I think when things don't work, we need to expect better and demand better from the creators and publishers and, and retailers of these games. And then other than that, just let them, yeah, I don't know. I don't know on a development side. Is it just delay games? Don't put a flag down. Don't say it's going to be the 22nd or whatever, like. Go the Nintendo method, maybe, and give us games when they're done. I mean, Anthony, do you have better ideas? What 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 is there to do? Um, I I think that a few developers actually did the solution that I would propose that uh, I saw actually a few games do this year is delay your game, but delay your game with a very open message. Uh, I think because developers are very closed off and their publishers and PR representatives want to keep everything uh, as kosher as possible, they don't, they're not as transparent with the reason behind their delays. And so I think the fear of delays is that there's going to be a huge backlash like we saw with Watch Dogs and we've seen with a bunch of games. But I think that if developers were more open about why they're delaying a game, people would be more acceptable of them. Like when The Witcher 3, for example, got delayed, the uh, development community came forward and said, look, this is this is what we're working towards, like our open world. It's just not there. So I think if you like, for example, Ubisoft came forward with Unity and said, look, we're we're still on new consoles. We're trying this really ambitious project that's next gen only. And we're you know, we want to delay so that everything runs smoothly. It would be more acceptable. But I think in that case, they would have just delayed it and then people would have you started creating their own narrative. Well, so I, I think uh, I don't think that uh, consumer backlash is what they're worried about with delays. I, I think that a developer is probably true, yes. the the last people that get to decide whether or not a game is delayed. I think it has so much more to do with that bottom line and making that quarter. And they want the game out before Christmas, and the they've decided they decided two years ago that this game was going to be their pillar for making the money they need to make for that quarter. There ain't going to be anything that's going to stop that game from coming out um which is why you have these guys working 24 hours a day you know <laughs> the last month before game ships it's it economically i don't think they have the option to delay games but i don't know what they can do because this is not acceptable this is this is coming out with a new chair that only has three legs you know this is this is not going to uh, we as consumers need to figure out how much slack we're going to be able to give these these games because the fact that we keep coming back to the well game after game after game and sit through this, you know, we say over and over and over, wait, the best thing you can do as in gaming is wait, wait for consoles, wait for, don't be day one. But I have a hard time doing it to be 
completely yeah. frank. I I want to be playing Warlords of Draenor on launch day. I get excited about that kind of thing. I get caught up in it. My friends and I all, all want to be in there and experiencing that content with everybody else right when it happens. So I'm a hypocrite. Well, it's that it, it, it we are bought hypocrites, right? I mean, we and I I'm with you. I like being part of that that zeitgeist and that discussion day one. But we are whipped into that frenzy, you know, double XP weekend. You need to be playing now. You got to get into it. And then when the companies hype you to be a part of something, they need to then deliver on that thing that you want to be a part of. I mean, how would it look if Marvel, you know, they announced their slate of movies and it's like, come to the midnight showing of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, be the first to see it. And then you get there and they don't show it to you. Yeah. It can't go both ways, and it's 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 frustrating. Boo-hoo me. I, I understand I'm whining. <laughs> First world problems. But it does bother me. Well, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to get to talking about the, the content of the games, and that's going to be a much more positive conversation. I didn't mean to start off uh, with such negativity this week, but it, it, it's a bummer that it seems like game after game after game is having these issues, and it's it's really marring the really exciting holiday season. Uh, there is a bit of news that was submitted on our subreddit, which you can visit by going to reddit.com slash r slash 5x5DLC. Uh, you can also submit stories to us for this segment using the hashtag DLCSOTW on Twitter. Uh, but this one in particular was submitted by Ryan K on the subreddit, and it's talking about PlayStation View, which is the uh, new subscription service TV service that's coming to PlayStation 3 and 4. Uh, and it's going to launch with a bunch of uh, TV networks. It's not going to launch with ESPN or Disney Channel's uh, ABC, CNN, Cartoon Network. But it is going to have Fox and uh, CBS and a lot of big-time channels. And uh, it's going to be on demand. It's going to have a cloud-based TiVo-like recording service. They don't mention how much it's going to cost. But uh, it's supposed to launch next year. And I feel like this is... Uh, Pretty cool for turning your PlayStation into a cable box. Is this something you would be interested in, Anthony? I I would. To to be honest, like the the cable situation that I think anybody who still subscribes to cable is nobody's happy. Everybody's looking for a new option, and so if you gave me a, a you know a consolidated situation where i could play on my ps4 and then i could switch over i think that would be interesting whether or not it's going to be ideal dick sony's kind of being just saying we're announcing it here's what we're working on and there's there's no word on price or or how some specifics will work so i think at at the outset it seems intriguing to me how about you christian what do you think well, Anthony, they did give a price. They said the price will be competitive, so relax. That's not the price. That's not the price. <laughs> um, it's this, we're in this weird world where everybody's trying to get theirs in this space, and I don't think anyone has quite done it better than the workarounds that early cable cutters have come to find and love, whether that be Roku and Netflix and Hulu Plus and an over-the-air antenna or, you know, the premium TiVo with subscription and Netflix and iTunes or whatever you're doing. And these things leave so many questions, like Anthony brought up many of them, and will there still be commercials for for CBS? Like CBS is launching its own, I think it's $6 a month, um, 
CBS subscription service, but all of the shows still have the same commercials, but they're touting it as you can watch it anywhere now. And isn't this great? And on demand with the commercials. And we've, we've, because the big guys have been so slow to adopt, we've gotten used to and started to like other things that take away payment models because the first people into some, into a place are often, um, people that go into torrents and hackers and people that are leading the, on the edge of a digital revolution. And then when the big guys come in 10 years later, how old is Netflix streaming now? Um, not 10 years, I don't think, but you know, when other people come into it, it, it looks like it's a, it's a slow half step. I mean, I'm not terribly excited about this. Does this motivate you at all, Jeff? Do you think you'll be watching? Well, TV I mean, I think way? since, since we're not really, you know, we're not cord killers, we're not, we're talking about the gaming side of it. I think the more interesting thing to consider is, is it, is it cool to have your video game system also be your cable box? And I think from that perspective, I have to say, as much as I am leaning more on my PlayStation 4 these days than my Xbox One, I do enjoy booting right up to my Xbox One, which I have my television routed through. And I like being able to hop into a game and hop out of a game uh, and hop into television, hop out of television without having to change inputs and do all that kind of stuff. I think that's kind of rad. And I do like, as you mentioned, the I like this disintermediation of of the channels. I can have the channels that I want if this particular service has the channels that I want, which it doesn't. I need ESPN. But uh, but I like the, the idea that we're moving in that direction. So it remains to be seen – Price will be the big determiner for me, and we'll see. We'll talk more about that when that gets announced. Uh, any other thoughts you want to say on that, or can we move on? I think we can move on. Cool. Um, all right. So this week uh, we're going to move to the playlist, but uh, we have a special bumper sent in by a listener, Brendan Hutchins. This is Brendan's playlist bumper. What you playing this week? You tell us. Ooh, what you playing this week? You tell us on the playlist. That's Brendan. He said he uh, he can't stop singing that when anybody ever says uh, the word playlist. So I thought I'd <laughs> reward him by listen, having everyone listen to him sing it. Uh, thanks for sending that in. It tickled me, and I hope it tickles you guys. Uh, the playlist is the part of the show where we talk about what we've been playing. Lots of cool stuff to talk about. Anthony, let's talk about Assassin's Creed Unity. We already talked about the issues. Now tell me about yes. why I will like or not like the game. Okay, so the game itself, uh, I thought it was funny to you know talk about the problems because I do think there are a lot of things that I like about the game and that if they were to improve the frame rate and some of the glitches that I'm worried I will encounter, I haven't encountered any game-breaking stuff. But I think some of the the ideas that are in the game are really great evolutions for the Assassin's Creed franchise. I think the traversal has been revamped really well. You can move up and down uh, surfaces and, and buildings a lot easier and it looks cooler. You feel like more of an assassin. It's less, it's less clunky, but it's still clunky. There's still some clunky elements. Uh, I think the story is kind of forgettable, um, but every, every individual... Like <laughs> I feel like yeah. The, I feel like the story should be I, one of the coolest parts of an Assassin's Creed game. No, I I thought so too. I I had always said you know Assassin's Creed. I don't really care for the story, and then I would always get people saying, "Well, I don't play Assassin's Creed for the story." Hmm. So I don't I don't really know where people. Me personally, that is a disappointment. Um, but it's not. 
I guess a lot of people it doesn't doesn't bother them. So it's worth saying that the the combat and the traversal does have it does have its its quirks, but it does work much better uh well not much better but it it functions in a way where you see where they're going you see uh this cool new first step that next gen can bring like for example the open world is is gorgeous paris uh 18th century paris is is beautiful there's tons of people milling about on the streets but at the same time all those people make your frame rate issues and uh there's significant pop-in so it, it's kind of like everything I like about the game, be it the combat, how it works, there's a negative in that. Like, for example, with the combat, the camera is a little troublesome. So I have a lot of trouble seeing guys that are behind me. And when you start off early on, you just die almost instantly. It's kind of like instantly failing, which, which again, disappointment. Um, but I think there is enough to the game that fans will be happy, but I I would expect them to wait to, for these updates, but I don't think the game is necessarily a bad Assassin's Creed game. I think it's it's a flawed Assassin's Creed game, I guess. So That's the best way to describe it. In the context of, of the franchise and of the series, does it rank near the top or does it rank near the bottom or somewhere in the middle? I would say somewhere in the middle. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree uh, or, or say that the... Assassin's Creed 2 or any of the games with Ezio are kind of like the high points. And then Black Flag kind of brought the franchise back after Assassin's Creed 3 was was pretty disappointing. So I think uh, Unity kind of jockeys with uh, the middle the middle of the pack. But I think if they can use this these same ideas and refine them and and get a good story, I think the next game, I mean, yes, it's I'm talking about the next game and that's kind of weird, but I think the next game could be everybody's like favorite of all time. See, I feel like fool me once, fool me six times, you know, I, I'm, I, I honestly have almost no desire to play this game. I'm just not an Assassin's Creed fan ever at any point, even two, which I liked, I didn't love. Uh, I've never really enjoyed this franchise as much as I would love to wander around in, in 18th century France. And it, the game just looks gorgeous the number of just people milling about that are on the screen at once from screenshots that i've seen it looks amazing is it do you get that feel of it being a crowded bustling living world you do but then at the same time you wish it was less crowded because you are an you are an assassin and you are trying to be stealthy and having people around gives you this sense of of stalking your prey and you know kind of the reads of people but then when you're just trying to get from place to place, and if you happen to be on the ground, it's you just wish all these people would go away because um, you're bumping into them constantly. So that's that's another example of the thing that I'm talking about, where looking at the ground and seeing these masses of people and seeing these riots of, and burning French flags and all kinds of like really great atmosphere. But then when it when it comes into play with the gameplay and you're trying to run around or you're trying to have a fight scene and there's two you know peasants walking in front of you or something like that and it it kind of detracts from it so it adds and then it detracts and everything about the game i think adds and detracts but the game is gorgeous and that that atmosphere is really good i don't want them to go away from that but maybe find better ways to uh design around it 
Yeah, nothing. Nothing you've said makes me want to play that game. What about yeah, you? Uh, yeah. What about you, Christian? Yeah. It, it, no. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting, right? I feel yeah. like they've put in old play style in a world now populated by more and more civilians that doesn't fit that play style. Because yeah, if you're in a fight and then all of a sudden a pedestrian, unaware to said fight, walks walks in or gets in the way of the free flow combat that you're trying to perform it's like the game is fighting against itself versus creating a cool thing for you to jump on and jump off of and parry from and then block and then attack and it's this world where if you're going to have this big world it needs to add to the experience more so than just looking out from the top of a building going cool look how big this world is and I feel like what, from what you're describing, Anthony, this game just yeah it keeps running into itself. It it actually I think the uh, a good comparison would be uh, Batman Arkham Origins in that there's the same fundamentals to this game, but everything kind of feels off. And but it's still the game that the fans know and they love. So there, I feel like they will be more forgiving. And I was a little bit. Forgiving, mostly because I haven't encountered anything game-breaking. Um, but but it's true, yeah. There are There's also tons of games that are out Assassin's, Assassin's Creeding, Assassin's Creed, like Shadow of Mordor introduced the idea of, okay, Traversal just, he's got superpowers, or, he, you know, he's, a, he's an undead guy, so he can just climb anything at will, and he can jump off the top of roofs. And then you get to Assassin's Creed and you're up on this high building and all I want to do is just jump off and land back down on the ground. Uh, Or the combat. Batman's combat has perfected, I think, the idea of counter and attack. And so Assassin's Creed is not up to that level yet, which is also disappointing. So briefly, what does Assassin's Creed do best? Or what, what do you think is a hallmark of the series that they can hang on to to tout as like this is what makes Assassin's Creed so great. The the stalking of your prey. Um, th- this game in particular has sort of like a a more multi directional approach in that you can steal keys from a, a bad guy and then you unlock a door. You get you unlock different. It's kind of like Hitman. You unlock different ways of taking out your target in this game. And so I think that feeling of stalking some guy you know your target you're watching him and you're waiting for this awesome moment where you you know leap from the rooftops or or in this game they can be more dynamic like i assassinated a guy who was in a confessional trying to you know give his confession so i think that specific the the assassining of assassin's creed is is the best part and i think they did deliver some pretty cool assassin assassination missions you just got to weed through a lot of them so, yeah. So uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Warlords of Draenor. I have put uh, I'm level 93, and so I'm still early. It goes from levels 90 to 100 uh, in this expansion. Uh, I am a confessed Blizzard fanboy. Love the love the World of Warcraft. Haven't played in a while. Kind of got away after Mists, and uh, this is I think the best expansion they've ever done. It is uh, phenomenal. If you set aside all of the launch issues, which are significant, and the fact that I have a character that's locked away from me <laughs> behind 5,000 other people in line for me to play him, uh, the, what I am playing is 
as good as WoW has ever been uh, and better than WoW has ever been in a lot of ways. Uh, the uh, the character model updates that they did make the game look much more modern and the graphics just look fantastic now. Uh, it's amazing this is a 10-year-old game. And there are so many wonderful little tweaks, things that are just make the game easier and better and more intuitive across the board. But the big stuff, the big improvements in this expansion first of all the garrison now the garrison is their version of player housing which they've talked about for literally 10 years uh talking about putting it into the game the implementation of it i think here is fantastic it isn't really true player housing it's much more of its own mini game that is integrated into the larger context of the world which is super cool you get your own outpost your own fort and you start yeah, you are the commander of that fort, and it has all kinds of cool buildings that you can build onto it that give you certain buffs and bonuses. You can build a stable so you can get cool new mounts. You can build a, uh, a mine so you can start mining if you have that or like a tannery if you're a leather worker uh, that let you do all kinds of things that you would need to go out into the world to do. You have it at your disposal. But better than that, since you are the commander, you're you're getting followers. You're acquiring followers in all sorts of different ways. Through quests, through almost like loot drops, there there's rare followers. There's a whole variety of these followers that all have their own skill sets. And then in your garrison, in your barracks, you house them and you can send them out on missions. And you'll acquire missions randomly throughout the game. And each of those missions costs time. This is very similar to what Star Wars: The Old Republic did with with your your droids and your your crew of your spaceship. Uh, you send them out and they either are successful at the mission or unsuccessful and you can you know the percentage chance of what that's going to be based on their skill set in relation to what skills are necessary for completing the mission. So it's almost like a mini version of Hearthstone because you're matching – it's almost like these guys are cards and you're matching their strengths against the weaknesses of the missions. But they're really interesting. They have really cool reward systems built in. I, I sent my guys out on a, a rare – hearthstone tournament mission where the idea is that literally my followers are going to a hearthstone tournament in the context of the game and they came back winning a rare hearthstone card super cool geeked out over that um (laughs) so i'm already super addicted to that because it's a wonderful time management of like okay three guys i need to go on this 10 hour mission which i probably don't want to do until i log off tonight but I can have those same three guys go on three one-hour missions and then be able to reset them. It's just this really fun kind of meta strategy game that's happening. But more than that, more than that new feature, more than the revamp of the character models, more than the revamp of the classes themselves, by far I think the centerpiece of this of this expansion is the storytelling. Blizzard has – really locked in on how to tell interesting, cool stories with their expansions. Mist did a great job at this. Mist was like this kind of side thing, this sort of fun, light, silly, comedic stories that were happening with with the pandas, right? And there was some serious stuff too, but here we're back to like core, almost Warcraft-level storytelling. Not worlds of Warcraft, but like orcs versus humans, big, huge battles, and you are constantly hanging out with the coolest, biggest name characters in the WoW universe. You're, 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 you know, fighting alongside these big guys that are part of the lore in really significant ways. So it's not like 
you're in your little corner and the big stuff is happening somewhere else. You're in it. You're experiencing these huge wars and there are massive scales. You're in these really cool uh, phased moments so that you have big impact on the world around you. You'll storm a keep with like hundreds of NPCs fighting alongside you and you have your specific little part of it to do. And then once you conquer that keep, it's phased into a new version of itself that is like them all mopping up. So they'll have guys like dragging corpses to a pyre. You know, they, they have like a chain where they're dragging corpses. They're going to burn the bodies or there's like wolves eating a dead corpse of a guy that you downed. And so you see all the, like the peons working to repair things that were destroyed in the battle. It, you have weight, you have impact on this world. It is so thrilling and so fun. They do really cool things like when a, a big named character comes up on the screen, the camera zooms in and their name comes up in the context of the world so that you know that has, this has weight, this has importance, this has significance. Uh, I am having a blast. And because I'm so invested in that world from other Blizzard products now, like you know when Rhaegar comes up or um, – or Durotan or you know all these big thrall these big characters that I've played in Hearthstone in Heroes of the Storm I'm so invested in that world and being able to participate in their storylines and how that story is conveyed it's a home run this is it's really a shame that the the launch was marred in such a significant way because the game itself is so good it really brings wow into a renaissance it's it brings great. the wow back to wow yeah yeah, for real. So, question. Answer. Um, did you pay for the expansion, and are you paying for your subscription? I did not pay for the expansion. Uh, Blizzard sent it to me, but I am paying my monthly fee, yes. Would do you? So it sounds like from your gushing that it is worth every penny for someone to pay for said expansion. Would you have paid for it oh, yeah. had it not been sent to you? Yeah, don't tell them that, but yes, I would have. No, I absolutely, well, absolutely well, would have. I'm, I'm, I'm very the, glad that they sent it to me. They sent it to me early, and it was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to uh, that I'm on that list um, because you know I was able to install it early and have be right there the moment it dropped. I guess I could have preloaded it too, but um, yeah, I mean, the the reason I'm asking though is sometimes games like this, right? You think you're done with it. And then you're like, oh, a new WoW expansion's out, but who cares? I'm over with that game. It's not worth the cost of entry to get back in. Um, versus if you get it for free and then you play it and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want to scream from the mountaintops like you're, you were doing. This is so good. Everyone needs to play it. Right. But you maybe wouldn't have experienced it had you not had the barrier of entry removed. No, you know no, saying? I definitely would have. I think my, my whole group of friends, we all were talking, you know, we've been playing Diablo 3 uh, a lot lately, and we are all saying, oh, let's just wait. Let's wait for a while. And then, of course, everybody bought it on day one. Um, and I would have <laughs> two uh, if I had needed to. Uh, and, I'm, and I would have felt thoroughly uh, pleased with that purchase. I think it's, other than the fact that there were all those problems and I can't log in, that is a major thing and it should not be understated. Um, this this is definitely not a review that's influenced by any any freeness. Uh, it is it is uh, worth worth the price of admission and the fact that you get that bump to ninety, I think, is a a cool cool perk. It lets you jump right into that even if you uh, you know haven't gotten a character up to ninety. It lets you jump right into that new content, which is which is really really well crafted. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about it a lot more. Although now I have this 
thing where Dragon Age Inquisition is coming out tomorrow and Far Cry and 4, Far Cry 4 yeah. and I don't have time in my life for all these great huge gigantic games. Uh Christian, yeah. you just got a Wii U. Even though you're I the did. guy who uh thinks Nintendo is always horrible. Um I am the guy that is rooting for Nintendo Nintendo to fix its wrongs because they make I've always said some of the best games around as a company. They have their heads so deep into the sand. It's incredible. We haven't really talked about how botched, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people agree, these Amiibo things are from as announced to what they actually do. We talked a little bit about it for Smash, but man, they still don't get it. Nintendo still doesn't get it. But yeah, I got older. Um, Friday was my birthday, as you mentioned at the top of the show. And I guess this is really just a great place to do a shout out for my parents. They have always been so supportive of my stupid hobby and everything I've done from baseball to video games to rollerblading to whatever. Uh, They are wonderful. I love them so much. And out of nowhere, I guess they talked to my wife on my 34th birthday. They bought me a Wii U. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They bought me a Wii U, um, the Mario 3D World bundle. And it felt really cool to have my 34th birthday be a lot like my 10th where I got a Nintendo system and and a Mario game. And um, I took the plunge on Mario Kart 8 and Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, and I have Bayonetta 2 coming my way. Man, I mean, the console has all the problems, all the problems we've talked about. Nintendo games on it, though, 3D World, is beautiful. It is. Nintendo games, all three of the games I mentioned, Mario Kart, Tropical Freeze, and, and 3D World, are examples of art direction being more important at times, oftentimes, if not all the time, than pure graphical power. Do I think the games could look even better? Sure. But they are so crisp and so bright, and I was playing the Mario Kart 8 DLC and playing as Link on his motorcycle with his hat blowing in the wind as you go around some of those loops it i mean it is it is stunning in how just cheery and amazing these games look i was playing mario and and estelle my daughter came out and she doesn't watch me play a lot of games because a lot of the games i play i wouldn't want her watching me play and i'm playing mario and she walks out from her room and i wish i had it on camera she walks and just double takes at the tv and she goes wow 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 (laughs) (laughs) and just like stood there in amazement as i was running around as cat mario um the game all three of those games are are a lot of fun and i'll talk more about them as as we chug along and i'll give each game its due i'm maybe like two hours into each of them for me though it's just such a wake up of like what if the wii u had feature and graphic parity to the other systems. I think Nintendo is gun-shy about that because they think they did that in the GameCube era. And the GameCube was labeled as a kid's machine and a toy, and after that, that was kind of their break from trying to compete head-on. But I can't help but imagine how great the Wii U would be if it was... Take Even take the worst part of the PS4 and the Xbox One. So if you prefer the Xbox One's menus, so take the PS4's menus and the Xbox One's graphical capability, so a little worse than the PS4's, right? And you make that the Wii U. But uh, So it's still, it's it's comparable. 
to the other systems. And it had Mario World. Mario Kart 8. Well, what does it matter? It, Shad- it, it does Shadow have those things. Like, yeah. it, like th- those but games are no. great. You just said that. And it's, you just said that art direction is more important than power. You know what it, it's, they look it doesn't awesome. Have, it doesn't have Advanced Warfare. It doesn't have Assassin's Creed Unit. It is always going to be an and system, a second system. The internet is horrible on it. Connecting to the eShop is a pain in the butt. Confirming eight times you want to do something. The fluidity and the integration of all of the things that we have come to expect from our phones, from the Xbox 360, from the PlayStation 3, we Plaza, chat, no voice chat, this is they just the so opposite. Behind. This is just the opposite way of saying. What if Nintendo was a third-party developer? It, it's just the it's just the inverse of that. Oh. You're just saying, what if they had? What if I could just buy one system and get the Nintendo games and all the other third-party games, right? So why does it need to be them going third-party? Well, I'm just saying it's the same. It's the same thing. It's it's basically the same thing. Is they are offering something that is its own thing? Do we need three platforms that? offer the exact same games, maybe that would be easier oh. for the consumer, sure, but I don't know if I don't know if them having the same power as those other boxes would mean you would get those releases on Wii U. I don't know. I think if you had the yeah. same power and otherwise the same features plus whatever innovation Nintendo wants to bring to the table, you've created the best system and then you're creating the best version of the game be it even if it's just having the map on a separate screen. I mean, as silly as having the map on the gamepad is, only using that for Mario Kart 8, it does make the you know the big TV much nicer and clearer that I don't have a map running around up there. It looks I just look at the pretty graphics as I'm driving around. I think if they were equal on other footing and then allowed their other innovation to set them apart the way that PlayStation is trying to have, you know, it's like the PlayStation Plus innovation that they brought to their service and now microsoft has games for gold and they're competing and going after each other on these things and nintendo is just playing in this also ran happy to be here we're going to sell sixty thousand consoles in a month and a good month for us is a shame interesting uh i mean i i think you uh bring up some interesting points i i don't think i don't know i don't i don't think i need that in my my wii u i think you'll find that it's going to be well, good with all of the stuff that they've got. I wish they would put out more Nintendo games on it. That's what I wish. I don't yeah. need. I don't need to but play Call of Duty on it. To be honest, though, you could be. You could have been without your Wii U because before I got one for my birthday, I was going to borrow take yours from you. Yeah, that's true. Well, I got. <laughs> so, I got. I, mean, I don't think it's. You don't, I got Wow's and Dragon Ages to play. Right, and and for the, I think the interesting thing about so all three of these Nintendo games is Nintendo that I've been playing uh, Mario. Mario Kart and, and Donkey Kong is that they are themselves retro in the way that the only thing bringing you back to the game is seeing the cool new level or okay now I'm going to I'm going to get these cherries and I'm going to have four Marios running around and this is crazy or let's see the inventive thing that I need to do to get these bananas in this next Donkey Kong level and then going through and getting all three stars in Mario or finding the secrets and getting all of these things and it, it doesn't pull you back to do it the way a lot of air quote modern games will like even call of duty's multiplayer where it's rewarding and unlocking and it's this carrot on the stick if you don't go into the menu to see that there are five red balloons you can get on a level in donkey kong 
you don't know that they're there, that it's a thing to go and get. And then you just complete the level and you move on. Like there's no narrative pulling you back. It's just the joy of playing the level and experiencing the thing, which on some aspect is awesome and beautiful and amazing. And it's just creation and gameplay and fun. But on the other side of things, I think it also represents how Nintendo hasn't realized some of these hooks that keep people playing their games for so long. And I think that there has to be a way to marry the two and and they haven't done it yet. That said, these games are fun but they, are, they yeah. definitely feel old school in a way that only Nintendo games still do largely. Uh, Acorn Aho in the chat has an interesting comment. He said, Nintendo developing for only themselves means we grin and bear a pushed launch date, but we get the quality that Nintendo has always tried to uphold for over two decades. Pretty cool. Um, got some more games we want to talk about, but let's uh, go to the phones real quick. We have somebody on the line from... Uh, 661 area code. Uh, where are you calling from? What's your name? And uh, what's on your playlist this week? Or maybe we don't. Hang on. Let me go to this other one. Did I do that wrong? Are you there, caller? Anybody? No? Maybe we're not having functionality this week. That's okay. We got plenty of other games to talk about. Um... I went to uh, the launch event for Halo Master Chief Collection where they debuted uh, Halo Nightfall and some of the uh, multiplayer for Halo 5. And I got my first um, significant hands-on with uh, Halo Master Chief Collection. And I came away very impressed. Now, of course, we mentioned the problems with the multiplayer. I did not try the multiplayer. Uh, I have always been much more of a Halo campaign fella myself, and I love playing the Halo campaign co-op uh and i have to say i was really overwhelmed by the amount of content that's on one disc there in uh master chief collection wow just scrolling through the menu and seeing how many options you have of just jumping into any mission from any one of the four big numbered halo games and it looks great uh we've you know obviously got the halo 2 anniversary edition where they did tons of work to make Halo 2 look much more modern. All new textures, all new geometry. Well, not all new geometry, but lots of new geometry. And the really cool feature where you, where you hit the what used to be the back button but is now the two interlocking squares button or whatever, uh, and it pops back and forth between the old graphics and the new graphics, it's staggering because you start it up and you think to yourself, oh, this is, this is kind of how I remember it looking. No, it looks like that when you push the button. And uh, you just see how much work was put into it, which is which is incredible. All new sound effects from the ground up, uh, really cool. But even more than that, a developer was telling me that when they ported Halo 4 as part of the Master Chief Collection, there was a bunch of code in the engine that actually had been deactivated because the 360 couldn't handle it, but the Xbox One can. So they're actually able to push some more little graphical uh, doohickeys and, and effects and stuff uh, on Xbox One with Halo 4. And I loaded up Halo 4 and was really... It just looks like... It looks like a brand new game. It's pretty impressive. Uh, and the high frame rates, you can't underestimate that. It looks so smooth and and uh, just there's so much to it. I was very impressed. How Did it feel weird to you going back to shooting from the hip? Yes. Because I mean, Halo <laughs> yes. was Halo for so long, right? And then Call of Duty was like, nope. That's yeah. not how we play. ADR, man. Everything has ADS, gone. Uh, I should say. Yeah, um, yeah. So, did that take? Was that weird? So, some people, yes. some friends that have had it, are have said that Halo almost feels faster 
even though it's a slow moving game with no run and they were in one and two. Um, but it almost feels faster because they always feel like they're aiming from the hip and they can't make that mental switch that, no, this is slow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just I, I definitely threw several grenade, grenades by accident because I thought I was aiming down sights. You know, I was pushing the other trigger button to aim and I just threw a grenade and I went, oh, that's right. That's not this game. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a, an adjustment to get back to it, but uh, those are great games with great co-op and great campaigns. Um, I think this is a, it's a pretty, I mean, if, if you haven't ever experienced Halo or you didn't play the first two or something like that, it, it's, it's a pretty compelling package. It's, there's a lot of stuff there and just being able to, having it all unlocked right at the top, being able to jump into any campaign scenario and going, Oh, I remember that, that cool one. Let's do that. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, to me, it means I recommend people if they haven't played it, you know, Halo's old, right? There are new generation of gamers that don't know what the heck we're talking about. Um, or haven't necessarily experienced it. This is a beautiful way to experience it for sure. I, and people might yell at me, play it and love the campaign. And when you get to a level with the flood, skip it. <laughs> and move I, I on. Those actually, are fun. The library there was fun. There are playlists where you can do only flood levels, which I think no, you would love. Yeah. No. I can which also punch I think myself is a cool in the selling face. point. No, you're overstating you can play, it. You can play all the, you know, all the tank missions or all like the big final fights, which... It's really cool. Rad. The yeah, the uh I saw it at Comic Con, they kinda walked through all the features and I played a little bit of it. And the idea of being able to say, you know, I wanna play the missions I, I don't know how deep it goes, but saying like I wanna be able to play all the missions that have uh the art me playing as the arbiter, for example, in Halo two to kind of get a refresher because he may factor into Halo five or something like that. Uh, and then being able to eventually create your own playlists, uh, the the potential for doing really interesting stuff is there. And I hope that they start to, when they get all the problems fixed, expand and let people do their own stuff. Like maybe find ways to make all the levels fit together and tell your own story. You know, create your own dialogue bits in little text bubbles and make a, your own Halo like fan fiction game. Yeah. Out of the, uh, cool. the other levels. I think that would be cool. Uh, Anthony, so you, who you've it? also been playing uh, Lego Batman 3, I which have, is yes. uh, what? Gotham Unleashed? Go- Beyond, Beyond Gotham. Gotham. Yes. Beyond Gotham. It goes to space, essentially. So uh, the setup of, of this one is that you're visiting all the green, or not green lantern planets. You're linting, liter- visiting all the lantern core planets uh, as part of the storyline. I was a huge fan of Lego Batman 2, I think, uh, and the Lego Batman games in general or lego games excuse me in general so i was really looking forward to this and i think so far i've played about five hours i do really enjoy it but i think i don't know lego batman 2 was such a uh, a risk i guess to say in that they position batman kind of like how the lego movie positions batman is like this dour self-serious guy and then they bring in superman and he's really cheery and he just pokes fun at batman and robin uh, is is in love with Superman and uh, I, I like the humor of of Lego Batman two and I think Lego Batman three kind of tones the humor down a bit. I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that you know now they're building a a legitimate a Justice franchise. League yeah a legitimate Justice League franchise. Chris Nolan got his hands um, on the Lego Lego game <laughs> maybe because <laughs> um, I thought it really you know it played up it really made fun of of Batman and Superman's relationship in a way that it is unique to that universe in that 
you know, you want to see Superman be extremely powerful. And, and the game sort of realizes all the things that you love about these characters and plays with them. Like if you play a Superman in any of the in the second one or in this third one, Superman just can't die. It says, you know, the developers say, OK, he's Superman. He can't die. His health doesn't go away. He builds faster than everybody else. So I really like how they lean into each hero's power. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the, the gameplay itself, it is a game geared towards kids and families. So it's going to be very basic. It's it's not going to blow anybody's mind with these puzzles that are extremely difficult or cause you to think it's typically just single button presses and uh, timing based stuff. That's really forgiving. Um, but I think getting together with, you know, a, a girlfriend or a friend who doesn't normally play games and just having a, a good laugh as you're watching these characters you love is really the draw for me. And that's why I like the Lego games. And I think this is another solid entry may not be as good as Lego Batman two, I would say, but I still think it's a, it's a good game worth getting. If you've been a fan of Lego and you love DC comics, you'll be more than satisfied. Tons of characters, like tons of characters. Kevin Smith is in this game. That's, that's how deep they go into like (laughs) DC comics, like ancillary connections. (laughs) Uh, it's, it's pretty good. I enjoy it. Uh, I just want to point out that in the, uh, in the chat room here, uh, uh, where I missed it. Oh, there it goes. Uh, Carmeister said he loves the library. It's Halo's endurance stage and man up Spicer. So uh, I just wanted to <laughs> point that out. Did you see? Did you see my reply there, Jeff? No, I don't really read. I have you blocked on the in the chat. Is that am I not, am I not supposed to? And do also, that? so I wait. will say I'm on team anti library. Uh, yeah, where draw draw a line in the sand, Jeff. What you, you think the library and the flood is good? game design and good levels and good characters and good enemies and good fights. You're going to take the flood in the library over having one of those apologies, Halo fanboys, my names are off, but having one of those big four crab things come down and elites and grunts and you're flanking and you're grenading no. and they're reacting to you because they have AI. No, You're going to take the flood in the library over that? It, there's a big difference between saying it's the best level and it's not awful it is not awful it is you were way overstating how bad the library replace is. replace every flood level with a different level that has grunts elites and brutes it's a better playing game. through the library in co-op with the shotgun is a blast it's fun and playing through the library just, in co-op and you give your friend your controller and you leave and get something to eat <laughs> and come back when they're past it is fun all right, enough video game talk. Let's get to board <laughs> games because it is indeed tabletop time. Right now, right now. Before we get to tabletop time, we do have to thank our other sponsor, Backblaze. Unfortunately, Crashes, hard drive failures are part of life. Get your hard drive stolen, natural disaster. It happens, people. Stuff just fails. It's happened to me before, but Backblaze has your back, Blaze. Even if your name's not Blaze, they have your back. They, they are the perfect place to back up all your files, your movies, your 
photos, all of our digital photos could be gone in a second, just like that. Your music, your documents, PowerPoints, anything that you have that's on your computer should be backed up off-site, and Backblaze helps you do it. It backs up all your data on your computer, but makes it accessible anywhere online and on mobile. They have Android and iPhone apps that make it easy to get your files on the go. And hard drive restores are available if you need to get everything back. Web restores, easy stuff. There's no add-ons, no gimmicks, no additional charges. And you can get a free trial by going to backblaze.com slash DLC. That's B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E or Z-E dot com slash DLC, backblaze.com slash DLC. It's just five bucks a month per computer for unlimited backup, and it backs up fast. No credit card is required for your risk-free, fully featured two-week trial at backblaze.com slash DLC. It'll help out the show, and it'll help you out because all your files will be safe. Backblaze.com slash DLC. Anthony, you are uh, not a board gamer. Is that right? I am not a board gamer. I, I'm a fan of essentially listening to you uh, talk about convince me that I should play these games that I inevitably don't play. Well, buckle uh, in because yeah, I'm about to do that. Okay, I'm in. Um, people have heard me talking a lot on this show about King of Tokyo, which is the game I actually got for my nephew for his birthday, and he's loving it. A really accessible game, kind of works like Yahtzee, King of the Hill style. You're, you're a big monster. you got to see how long you can stay in Tokyo before people knock you out or hurt you to the point where you leave. Uh, really fun dice rolling game. Well, recently at Gen Con this year, I believe they released the sequel slash update slash revamp of that franchise called King of New York. And I finally got a chance to play that game and apologies to everybody. I recommended to get King of Tokyo, King of New York kind of replaces it. It's uh, I, I would still recommend King of Tokyo for younger players. If I still I'm glad that I gave it to my nephew because he really had never played uh, designer board games before, and and it's it's a much simpler version. King of New York doesn't add a ton of new functionality, a ton of new mechanics, but it does add a few, and I think it it's a wonderful next step. It it isn't I don't think it would be too complicated for most people, but it is more complicated. You're still playing as giant monsters. You're still trying to inhabit places on the board, one particular place, Manhattan, to uh, to get, gain points. And the longer that you stay there, the more points you get. But while you're in there, every single other character can attack you. But when you attack, your attacks hit every single other player. So it's a push your luck of how long can you stay there and attack them, but when all of them on their turn, turns get a chance to attack you. The new stuff, and you're rolling dice, I should say, you're rolling dice to uh, select whether you want attacks or whether you want health or whether you want uh, to get energy, which lets you buy special cards that give you abilities, etc. The new stuff that this one adds is that the, the spaces that you're standing on, Manhattan and the five boroughs, all have buildings on them that you can smash. Uh, depending on dice rolls that you get. And smashing those buildings get you points or get you health, but they also release units onto the board. So if you smash a building, maybe a uh, a tank will come out or maybe a jet will come out. 
eh, going to have to give it the benefit of the doubt here. It's a cool mechanic, the idea that your uh, your giant monster rampage is causing humans to retaliate in certain ways. So once you've done that, while it does give you points, those units are now positioned to attack you. So if you roll a certain side on the die that's a skull, that means that all the units that are on that space are going to attack you. So it adds an interesting dynamic, and I think it really adds to the theme because it really does feel like you've left this uh, destruction in your wake. You've mashed down all these buildings as you tromp through the boroughs heading to Manhattan. It's pretty cool. It's really fun. It's still a very accessible, easy-to-recommend game, a top-notch game. Uh, That's called King of New York. Uh, I also want to mention, I finally got a chance to play a game that I've been wanting to play for a long long time. It's from Stronghold Games. It's called uh, Among the Stars. And this is a game that a lot of people were talking about as being a replacement for Seven Wonders. Uh, I think, Christian, did you ever play Seven Wonders with us? I think you did. I'd describe it. I don't know if I did. Well, Seven Wonders is a game, it, it, a lot of people like it because it can play up to seven people. And it's a, it's a civilization game where that's uh, used a drafting mechanic. So everybody gets a, a bunch of cards, and then you take one and pass the rest to your left and keep taking one and passing the rest to your left until you sort of assemble your civilization. And then you, you wage war on the people on either side of you, and you're trying to build uh, giant you know, uh, achievements, uh, it's basic civilization game. But the, the key mechanic there is that drafting mechanic and sort of building your little thing in front of you that is your little mini civilization that gives you points and bonuses in certain ways. Well, Among the Stars works similarly. It's also a drafting game, but what you're drafting are space station components, rooms in a space station or add-ons to a space station. You can build things as wacky as like a shopping mall and a fast food restaurant uh, and all of them have certain properties that give you bonuses either immediately or at the end of the game to your score. And you are just trying to outscore your opponents by building the most efficient, uh, coolest space station that does certain things. But you also will get the opportunity to attack certain players. It's The attacking is is cool, but it's rare and it's almost entirely a a uh, single player kind of, not single player but a solitaire like this mini solitaire game that you're playing in front of you you're building your little ant farm and you're making it cool and interlock and work in certain ways that are interesting you know you 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 can place the the square uh tiles of the space station on any side of any other square tile so you can create Interesting formations and certain bonuses will happen if you have things in a certain formation or surrounded by certain other tiles. So you're making this like a little ant farm in front of you that works in a certain way that, to get you the most points possible. And you can look at other people's ant farms. You can look at their little space station setups and you can do things based on what they're doing and decide which cards you're going to let pass through your hand and into theirs in the drafting phase uh, based on what they're doing. But I found myself almost entirely sort of more concerned with what I was doing. So it does feel like the interaction is relatively low, but it's sort of what you make of it. I, When we first started playing, I wasn't super into it. But as we went along, I was more and more impressed with the level of complexity that you can get from your space station and the le- level of, of strategy you can get from having one building interact with another building and give it a bonus and help it out. So it's cool. I think the... The art on the cards, on the tiles themselves, the iconography of everything is a little overly designed. It seems a little uh, 
a little confusing just because of how detailed it is. Like, for example, there is you have to have power stations to power all uh, – not all, but certain – of your add-ons need power. So you have to build a power station, which then has these cubes on it that you can assign to certain buildings that need them, certain add-ons that need them. But the the little icon that shows that you need to have it powered is a translucent little cube, and it kind of blends in with the rest of the card. And so it's hard to see, and it just could be clearer. It could be easier to just glance at, at another player's uh, set up and see what he's doing. You really have to read the detail of all the cards on the other players, you know, space station. It could be a better game, but I, I really had a good time playing it. I, I liked it. I just didn't love it. That's among the stars and it's from, um, stronghold games. So those are two picks that I've played recently. Uh, I love hearing about what you guys play. Uh, if you guys want to ever email into, uh, a DLC, you know, what is our, what is our email guys? Did I forget it? Uh, it's, um, DLC it show. Scroll. What is it? My brain's not working. Uh, I don't even know the internet. I'm just going to look on the show doc. Keep talking. Uh, anyway, you can use our subreddit to talk about it at, uh, DLC, DLC feedback, feedback. at gmail.com. My brain didn't work. Thanks, Christian. DLC feedback at gmail.com. Um, all right. That's really going to wrap us up. We do have a uh, a parting gift for everybody, a little recommendation from other areas of our lives. But I want to thank you, Anthony, for hanging out and uh, talking games with us today. Where can people see more of your stuff? Yeah. Um, I'm on GameRant.com and ScreenRant.com. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Uh, that's where you can kind of keep up with everything I do. I also review movies uh, for another site called Film Fracture. I do a podcast about all the DC comic shows called the DC Watchtower. I do a lot of different stuff. So following me on Twitter is the best way to kind of keep up with everything I do. Cool beans. Christian, what's up with you this week? Um, I will be headlining, if you're in the San Diego area, it's kind of a little bit east of San Diego, um, a newer comedy club, Legends Comedy Club. I will be headlining there this Friday and Saturday. I believe it's one show only. Um, I believe both shows are at 9.30. One show Friday, one show Saturday, I should say. And then still, uh, I will be um, recording my first album December 2nd, Tuesday. Oh, crap. That's funny as I say it. Tuesday, December 2nd um, in San Diego. And uh, I look forward to doing that. So if you're in San Diego, those are some shows you can go to. Man, total brain fart on my part. Um, but those are happening. It's fun. Jeff, what do you have going on this week? We are uh, doing more We Have Concerns shows, um, some funny ones this week to look forward to. We're actually doing a live Google Hangout if you're a patron on our Patreon. Uh, and that is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I hope people that listen to this show will check it out if you haven't already. Uh, and that that google hangout this is our third one that we've done it's a monthly google hangout for our patrons uh, it's a lot of fun it's really cool so check out the show it's at wehaveconcerns.com uh, also the slash film cast is rocking and rolling we got some cool holiday movies to talk about and uh, that's at uh, slash film.com all right so let's uh, give the people a parting gift to send them off into the cold cold night uh anthony do you have a do you have a pick I do. I have two. It's kind of a little dual thing. So one, uh, if you really liked Taylor Swift's Shake It Off video, her new blank space video is pretty good. 
uh, if you you can just find it on YouTube or something like that. Also, I've been a Saturday Night Live fan for since my entire life, and I think last week's episode was a really really great episode of Saturday Night Live. Uh, so check it out on Hulu or. There were some really great sketches hosted by Woody Harrelson. Um, some really good stuff. Sweet, it's sitting on my TiVo. I can't wait to watch it. I think I'm going to do that today. Actually, uh, I I love I love Saturday Night Live, and I think the best way to watch it is the next day or you know two days later on your DVR, so you can just skip forward through the stuff you don't like. You like give it a couple yep. mi- seconds to hook you, and if you're not, eh, move on to the next sketch because there's almost always at least one great sketch that was worth watching the episode for. I find. Yeah, absolutely agree. But this this week's episode, I think uh, you won't skip as cool. much. It's it's really good. Christian, what about you? You got a parting gift? Comic book, TV show, or both? Oh, I get to pick? Mm-hmm. Let's, do, let's do comic book. So I think you actually turned me on to this, and someone on Twitter was asking me about comic books, and they were getting into kind of reading collected and graphic novels and collected issues, and they read said you they had read and one of my all-time favorites that i think you did recommend that i read is superman secret identity originally released as four issues you can now get it collected in my opinion it is up there as either the best or one of the best superman stories ever told and i think everyone that's into comics superhero comics should check it out uh yeah absolutely and don't read about what it's about yeah it's uh, it's <laughs> it's not it's not a, the kind of superman story you would expect but I, I've always sort of wished that they would make this into a film. I think, or, or like a TV movie or something. I think it would be really cool. Certainly not a big budget, <laughs> you know, uh, Snyder <laughs> film, but, but it's still a fantastic story. Um, I want to recommend, uh, we're going to be talking about it on the Slash Filmcast. So if you want to hear me talking about it uh, in more detail, stay tuned for that or check that out at slashfilm.com. But we're going to be talking about the movie Whiplash which I uh, I saw. I didn't know anything about it before I went into it. I didn't know what it was about at all. But I will just say it has to do with music, and it is some of the most thrilling filming of music I have ever seen in a movie. Uh, and uh, it, it's pretty pretty interesting film. It's a smaller movie. You ha- might have to seek it out. I think it's being released uh, in stages in the country. So take you know take a second, find a independent film place theater that shows that it's worth finding whiplash all right guys that's gonna do it for this week's show we got oh man uh, this is the best time of year we got two huge releases coming out tomorrow which we'll be talking about if i can somehow get the time to play both of them uh dragon age inquisition and far cry 4 and this is the most exciting time of year we got all our big holiday releases coming so don't forget stay tuned Back here for DLC next Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And we uh, will be right there telling all of our tales of gaming goodness. But until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.